You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. So grateful that you've joined us today. We have a special guest. And Sue, did you notice I said pastors? Because you there did. is another pastor in the house. Pasta. So I use the plural form, right? So that's a good All right. thing. I'm learning. I'm learning. Oh, by the way, Sue, I had this revelation. I had this revelation the other day. Not a revelation, but I don't know if I should share this with you. You can't do that. If you're going to say too that, late. just say okay. it. Yeah. Sua, I, also, you I'm didn't just, introduce our special guest. Kelly, oh, please. our special guest is Pastor Steve Bang, <laughs> executive pastor of Metro Community Church. My homie, my right-hand man. Yes, sir. Man, yes, sir. He's Not the man. his first he's on. time he's on the podcast on. either. Oh, all right. So he's Sua, now a Sua, recurring Sua. guest. So I'm, I'm only half joking and I'm half serious. I'm half joking and I'm half serious on this mm. one, all right? Okay. But you're dead to me now. You're dead to me now. You why? know why? Why? In terms of uh, checking grammar. Why? You know why? 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 Chat GPT is really good at it. <laughs> it's not bad at all. I was like, oh, I don't need Sue as much um, anymore. As I can, I, can I say something here? Well, like, what part well. of that do you think makes me sad? <laughs> I know. You should probably be like, like yeah, what part of yeah, I don't need you to edit things for me anymore do you think makes me sad about myself? No, no. no. <laughs> like, Sue, thank Sue, God I'm for Chat GPT. I'm sad. No, no. I'm sad because I still need you to do some editing for me. All right. So I'm okay, still sad. I'm sorry. So, anyway. Like, what? No. <laughs> Go to Seriously, TV but anyway, anyway, friends. okay, that's not that's that. But thanks so much for joining. Uh, I don't know why I went off that tangent, but I'm about ready to either. go off another tangent. All right, so we're gonna talk about something uh, that Steve thought of a real great topic, and we're gonna just kind of let him go with it, and we're gonna kind of feed off of it. That's how we're gonna do it today. But before we do that, we're gonna answer a question. Now, Steve has a question. I have a question. The battle of the questions. Mm. We're gonna mm. let Sue decide which mm. question mm. we're gonna answer. Right. And so just understand who your partner is on the show. Okay. That mm -hmm. I want you to understand that when you Steve's hear this. Like one of my best you friends. don't need to, we don't need, no, this isn't a competition. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is a competition. Right. So anyway, no. All right. So here we go. So, so Steve, why don't you share your question? Okay. I want I, to hear I, your question. Yeah. yeah. I thought I the question mine. we could um, go around answering is uh, hmm. what are you like, uh, what is your pet peeve about the other person here? like what's my pet peeve about pp and what's my pet peeve about sua and then so on and so forth like what's our pet peeve in this triangle oh triangle friendship. do we only have to choose one person or do you think no for both for both for both people what's your pet peeve? Have one yeah that's the that's the thing i really would have to think about that yeah. <laughs> that's really hard well, it, Steve, wait, when you say you don't have to think about that like you have one already hold on i no, just want to say I'm, i would really yeah. have to think about that Steve oh, you, is really asking know. this question because he's just dying to tell us what annoys <laughs> him about us oh like that's the reason okay. why he's bringing this question okay okay I, because I might he clearly one, has answers for both of us steve. that's why no i have one for steve but i don't know if i have one for sua good answer you know what's interesting yeah. i have one for sua like immediately <laughs> and then for you i have to i had to like really no, think about really it you know what if, if you share if you share with me yours with sua that could become mine so oh, you oh might yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. Help me. I, okay? i'm sure i'm Guys, sure you, you feel the same. i really don't think i have one for either of us no hmm. i okay, swear well, PP, why don't you say your your question oh, 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 yeah, maybe I, I can I, answer his question no, no, no. But Steve, I really like that question. I really like that question. So I think that's that's a good one. All right. Mm -hmm. So Sue, I will have no problems for you to choose that. My question is this. Share with us the worst day of your high school life or your college life. One or the other. Or, or it can be both. But the worst day you had. 
in this high is, school. I don't know. I feel like this overlaps with some of the other questions we did because we've done variations. Like we've done what's the most embarrassing that's thing that's I, ever happened to you. We've done what's the greatest failure you've ever had. Um, <laughs> but never in high school or laughing, college, Steve? right? Because, I mean, I don't know if I'm being really basic, but it's like the worst day of my high school life was like 9-11. <laughs> but that's like, a, you know, so it's like, oh my God, that wasn't high so, school but, but Steve, I was in high school, yeah. But Steve, that was my freshman year of college in New York City, and that I'm was not so the worst old. day of my life. Wait, how was that not the worst day of college for you? It wasn't that hard for me. You know, sorry, I... I, I... I remember after that happened, because remember, I was in New York City. I was a freshman. Um, they had all of these like counselors on site. And mm. I signed up for this one study because they were paying me $100 to go to do, do these. It was like a series on PTSD, right? And I remember the questions were like, do you think about the events of 9-11 recurrent? Like, do you ever dream about them? Like, do you do you ever get paralyzed with anxiety? And all my answers were zero out of five. Like, I never mm. felt anxiety about it. Mm. Mm. I think I'm a sociopath. Anyway, no, sorry, okay. that was not the answer. I mean, this, I guess this may maybe because be, you were this adult. may not be a good question. This may not be a good question. I th- well, I mean, Sue, it's your choice. Your choice. Yeah, your choice, Sue. Whatever you want. Your choice, Sue. Well, I can't okay. answer the first one. Maybe I'll think about. Can we? Let's just start and roll with it. I don't know if I have an answer for any of these that I have yet. Yeah. So let's start. Let's start with our guest, Steve. Since you you came so readily prepared to tell us what you find so annoying about us. Oh yes, yes. So let's yeah, do okay. this. Share. I, I like share this. with I like us. This. Okay. Okay. Share with us. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh my pet peeve about Sue first because it was that Great. was like, the first one. Lovely. You know what like really annoys me is when um starting really aggressive right now. <laughs> no, 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 not not like you don't like it's a thing that you do. It's a behavior. Mm. It's not you. Okay. I love you. And I don't so find I don't find you annoying at all. But sometimes you'll do this thing, mm-hmm. and that she's, this, this she's turning red. She's turning red. You guys. do it, I just but it's like um, you all like sometimes you'll play devil's advocate about a person so much. If there's like a one percent chance mm-hmm. that um there's an explanation for someone's behavior, you treat it like that one percent is actually like fifty fifty. So like uh, for example, let's say like I. I'm like, okay, I have enough. I know exactly to... who you're talking about, by the way. I there like... are multiple people. Yeah, it's not know, just one. There are multiple yeah, okay. instances. But there's one that was proved I was proven completely wrong about. That's why I'm thinking about this particular person. You, you know, it's like mm. you're like, if if we cannot say with hundred percent certainty that, like, you know, and make like a judgment call on a person, then you're like, oh, then you, you I can't say that I know. And I'm like, you know, Sua, I understand that we'll never know for sure, but we can we can say like, oh. Like with ninety nine percent confidence, that person can, sucks. Or, or with seventy five percent confidence, yeah. I can say. Or you, I'll, I'll be honest. It's a lot of times it has to do with like guys, you know, where I'm like, oh, I think that guy's like kind of a creep, or I think that guy's like, yeah, maybe doesn't have the most, the best like integrity. And you're, and you'll give all these. I'm like, why are you talking about him like he's your brother? Like there are all these excuses and explanations and possibilities. And I'm like, just it's okay if he did something weird. We can just say he did something weird. We don't have to. Try so to, Sue is always trying to defend. Yeah, like, def- that person. strangers, yeah. complete strangers. You know, and even if it's like ninety nine, <laughs> just I, like, throw them under the bus, Sue. That's it. Yeah, you know, it's okay. you know what I mean. Just like, and if if we can say, like, you you don't have to say like I know for certainty, but we can say like I'm pretty confident. That doesn't mean like we're a hundred percent sure. You know what's very interesting is um, I wonder if it's different the way I gauge girls. 
because you said it's usually with men and you know how yeah. like guys only have like guys. a guy only radar guys. so you know how like guys have like a radar for other guys oh, and yes. so maybe i, I just what, I lack that radar like you know that intuition that you know because okay for example for me and i said this actually i mean i still find it annoying okay it's fair noted um <laughs> find you real annoying right now i i found (laughs) so no so one of my one of the things that a lot of girls if you hang out with a lot of girls they say is it's always a red flag if a girl says i only hang out with guys because i get along better with boys that's a red flag for us why is that a red flag because boys miss that is a major red flag because boys miss things about girls that only girls can identify because we have a radar that's right Okay, so when when vice versa too, vice versa. So that's what I'm saying is like when maybe it's there's certain things that you notice because John has this conversation with me all the time. He gets super exasperated with me. Same thing as you. He's always like, "Why can't you just believe me when I tell you that this guy is being creepy?" Um, so you're not the only one. Yes, I know, I know, but I think it's because I lack that radar, like that intuition that sometimes is like, you know, the entire premise of the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, which since has become controversial but it's that whole idea that sometimes you just know something and you can't explain it but there's more accuracy in the knowing than like the logical yeah sometimes it just makes me want to like run through a wall because it's like okay, no matter I what i say that's bad okay come on it wasn't that bad you no it's not it's not i'm exaggerating i'm exaggerating but it, that is a pet peeve of mine mm. for you for okay. sure i, I have not I, that's not a pet peeve of mine because I don't I don't really remember you doing that much. So with me, so I don't I don't think we really talk about too many people. So yeah, we don't What's gossip, Steve. We don't gossip. PP and I don't gossip the way you and I do. I'm the gossip <laughs> king. I'm the gossip king. Okay, a pet peeve of of mine with Sue. I no, got he hasn't one. Gone this yet. is so. Oh, are we gonna go in that order? Okay, fine. Yeah, we'll go in that, that order. We'll go Let's in that. Pick Sue and then you pick me and Steve okay, all together. Okay, this is my pet peeve about Sue. She always downplays her achievements. I knew you were going to say that. Always. Always downplays everything. Like, just downplays it. It's a pet peeve of mine. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, really? You're going to downplay that? She always has a tendency to downplay, like, her accomplishments, you know, things that she's really good at. She's like, I'm not that good at that. You know, so... Anyway, Steve disagrees. So that, that Steve's be... making the face. I don't, really? I, don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I think it's it's tough because I don't... Like the part that's hard for me is like sometimes when I hear you guys like talk on the pod or we talk about things like IRL, I don't consider those things accomplishments. So I could understand why Sua doesn't also Thank talk you, about Steve. those things. Thank you. So it's it's hard. So PB, it's hard because like I don't know. Not hmm. so I'm not saying you're not accomplished, but like our it's conversations fine. very I'm just rarely. AF. No, our <laughs> conversations very rarely are about ourselves. Hmm. You know what it's I mean? It's about other people who suck, <laughs> but I won't believe that they suck. <laughs> or it's about like it's you it's it's very like uh curb your enthusiasm where it's like it's always situation, it's always about like a situation we came across that yeah. no one else would find interesting except for us. Wait, there's one other topic we talk about a lot. Pastor Peter. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're like, ooh. Yeah. We talk about PP a lot. Uh, That's oh, our commonality. Man. It's our common love. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's really what what brought us and binds us together. It is. It really is. Oh goodness gracious. Yeah. yeah. You are the glue that binds our friendship. You guys are crazy. You guys are hilarious. Okay. All right. So that's my peeve. Okay. My peeve. Now, okay. But he's okay. Gonna go no, that's why. Yeah. Peter. Yeah. All right. So okay. me next. Me next. Okay. Okay. You're, you're last because you're the guest. Yeah. I have one. You know, 
you've gotten better about this, but you'll like I think so condescending. I, yeah, I think you know that you're forgetful and on macro level, but even on a micro level, as you know, as your executive pastor, we have we had to like we meet like weekly and stuff. And so I see it more frequently, but it's like I'll yeah. say something yeah. and I can I can look when I look in your eyes, I can tell immediately if you heard it or not. Because Sua sometimes, knows, that's for oh. Sua does too. Sometimes yeah, yeah. I'll say something, yeah. and you're you're like uh huh uh huh, and then and then you say <laughs> something, you'll talk about it like it's a natural progression in the conversation. I'm like that had nothing to do with that, and so I'll say it again, uh, but I won't wait another time. I'll just say it again, <laughs> like two minutes later, and I get a totally different reaction. Like the like the second time I I say it, you'll be like. Oh, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, he definitely didn't hear me 120 seconds yep. ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's I, like, I just like kind of get 100 accurate. I, yeah. I can't say that's 100 accurate about me. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, it's 100%. like it's like crazy because I'm like, but you know, I know he heard me on some level because he can yeah. he nods at the right time, and he like pauses at the right time. He waits. Yeah, for me these to are coping before. mechanisms that he's developed as a pastor. <laughs> So it's like sometimes I just have to wait for you to go first, and then I'll go. Okay, and that's the best way to to get so, you. To I, so I can clear my mind of the stuff that I yeah, want. To yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah, so yeah, much yeah. more persistent so, than I am because when that happens so to me, I just say, "Well, should we go?" <laughs> you know. So that's the thing is like I have found that I think most people that's what they do. They'll just be like, "I'll just tell him another time." But for me, yeah. I'm like, "Well, I'll just tell him in five minutes. <laughs> I'll just do it again in five minutes." <laughs> That could definitely be a pet peeve. I hear that. Yeah, I hear that. But it's not that annoying. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I love it's it. more funny than it. anything. Okay. But you know why it's not funny to you? I'm not trying to take the devil's advocate again, but you know why it's not it's it's funny to you. I mean, it's it's not hurtful to you, is because you know he likes you. I mean, I, I'm trying to imagine a scenario in which like I don't have a relationship with PP and I'm telling you something really important about my life, but then he's completely checked no, out. It's and... not it's never like that. It's it's like <laughs> it's always businessy stuff. Oh, okay, fine. You know? It's that's fair. Yeah, it's not that's like fair. it's not it's not like something deep. When it's that, he's like he's locked in. Yeah, he's know? oh wait, he that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. He like self medicates. Brain chemistry to to make sure he doesn't have ADHD you know, anymore. That is a like very a interesting time. phrase. Exactly, that you I do. I self medicate. He has That's genuinely great. considered literally self medicating with some like illicit Adderall. Like he's he's been like, I just think I sometimes I just need to take it. And I was like, you you can't. Like John's not going to prescribe you illicitly Adderall. I did. I, did, I think I did ask John if he could prescribe me Adderall, and he said like, no. no. It's illegal no, for doctors not. to prescribe yeah. Adderall. Yeah, you like, got to be a, a non patient who doesn't need it. Yeah. 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 Like, it's not illegal to prescribe it if you're an actual psychiatrist okay. right, with right, a patient yeah. who has and someone who actually needs it. Yeah, guys, I really can't think of anything. Come on, for me, come on. just one. Come, come on, Sula. you guys. No, I, I'm, I've been sitting here racking my brain because, like, yes, I agree that PP does that, but like, I don't find it annoying. It's just who he is. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. And Steve, when I you, mean, when you do things like this, this is another pet peeve. Okay, hold on, PP. <laughs> do you have one for Steve? PP, do you have well, one? For yeah, Steve? I have one for okay, Steve. Go, I have you one go. For Steve. Go. All right. So nothing for me, Sua. If you think of one later, let okay, me let know. Okay, let me think okay? about it. Let us know. Let us know. Okay. So for Steve, my pet peeve is people are gonna go people are gonna be like, this guy is crazy. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you touch my nipples too much. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Never in a million years would I have ever predicted these words. 
Ashley, because you know, so listen, I have just to give you a little a little TMI. My nipples are usually always like excuse me, kind of they're always like (laughs) erect. They're always you know no matter what, right? No matter what. No, 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 no. guys, thank you for coming to the podcast. When they're piercing through the shirt, Steve can't help himself, but he'll come over and I'm like, dude, 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 dude. Anyway, so that's. Okay, I. <clears throat> hey, Steve, wow. this is your question, um, man. This is your yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's my fault. It's my mm. fault. My bad. There's I, really nothing else that pees me about. I brought him, this right? on us. I brought. No, this, this is the second time PP has mentioned nipples on the podcast. He also Why? once talked about a nameless. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna name the person because you name <laughs> yes. the person. Yes, I, name the person. I am the male version of that person. I am the male version of that person. Okay. So. What? No, this person is male. Who are you talking about? Oh, 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 oh my bad, my bad. <laughs> I thought the else. person that you said you played basketball with, but he has the most ginormous nipples. Hmm. I don't remember. It's a family oh. member of yours. Oh, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 massive, man. They're There's massive. a lot of nipple-related things yes. happening. Let's just yes, let's yes. just let's just go right Steve, past it. Let's just no, go right okay, past stop, it. Steve. No, Sue, what would you uh, know? What, what's your pet peeve about me, Sue? <laughs> no, no, no. But, 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 look, can I just say one more thing about that? So I don't <laughs> mind it if it's like private, but but it's like <laughs> oftentimes you during staff meetings. It's better no, no, than it's public. It's like public and staff meeting. I'm like, oh shit, your nipples privately. It was even worse. It's one thing if we're like just hanging out, whatever. But like he'll do it like in front of everyone. I'm like, oh shoot. So anyway. It's better in public than private. That's like, like exponentially anyway. worse. No, 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 no. Oh, it's it's, good. it's oh, totally I'm so fine. I'm I'm fine with it. But yeah, anyways, okay. He's so. fine with it as long as you do it in private. See, I was so <laughs> not doing the public because then everyone's gonna be focused on my nipples. That's what they're gonna be doing. I don't want people to be looking at my nipples. I can <laughs> tell you, as a third party, it's infinitely more scary that the the prospect of you guys doing to it to each other in private okay like, so that's why i do it in public because like I, that would be weird if like oh we only do that when it's just the two of us i'm not oh, trying it's to it's hot in I, here I, you're I, right steve it's hot in here it's right now really hot okay all right so sue you go now you go this is I, crazy I mean, this apparently this is a pet peeve i don't know like i <clears throat> We'll just share. It no, could, but I, mean, I really is- have a, you know, and John will agree with me on this. There's very few things in life that actually annoy me. Steve is shaking. I, this is really, so this is another pet peeve of mine. When you're, when you like do this thing where it's like, oh, it's on. Steve, let me, let me um put it on you. What do you think I would say is my pet peeve of yours? What do I, f- I don't find anything annoying. You know, you might find maybe not anymore, but you might. I could imagine if we were, if our roles were reversed. Sometimes you might be exasperated by like how often I have to caveat everything. I don't. I've never noticed you caveating things. No, you'll be sometimes when we're texting. You'll be like, uh, "Oh, this so unnecessary." You don't. I know you. I'll be like, oh, you know, I don't mean to bother you. Or, oh, like, you'll be like, oh, you know, I love you. Like, stop it. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, you know what I will say? And this is completely, I'm turning around the question and making it into an annoying question. But you know what I do really appreciate? <laughs> this is the opposite. Why, why, of- but why are you laughing? <laughs> What's going on? No, but I really, you know you know what I appreciate, what I really about, appreciate Steve, about Steve? And you're laughing. 
No, because I'm doing I'm being so annoying right now. Like I can okay, see okay. I can like I can't stop myself though. Like I'm being such an annoying okay. person, okay. but I can't stop myself. All right. There's too much momentum in my annoyingness. I really appreciate because sometimes I'll say things to Steve very like flippantly, like as like a throwaway comment, like something that I feel like I think about Steve. But then he'll be so touched. Like he'll be like, Sua, like, you know, words of affirmation are my thing. Like, I'm just so grateful. But it wasn't even meant to be like, you know, one of those like birthday messages. Like it was just yeah, supposed to yeah, be like a yeah. throwaway comment. Like, Steve, you know, I think. Of well, then like, fine. Blah, I won't appreciate blah. it anymore. No, but no, I just said I appreciate you appreciating it. That wasn't a pet peeve of mine. I literally said that was my appreciation. Oh, yeah, yeah, true, true, true. You're right. You're yeah, right. That's you're right. right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, All right. right oh, you know what? I'll, t- I'll tell you what John is not happy with Steve about. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Steve mercilessly made fun of John for mispronouncing a word. <laughs> oh, yeah. When, oh, when he was, when he was in Ohio? Is it? I mean, I don't think John it was, was merciless. annoyed. Okay, but, um, what word but he was, it? was, what word um, was it? snowman but john called it a snowman and i was and like why steve are you saying would it not like it's not like it's like a jewish last and then, name and then and then yeah and then <laughs> janelle had to be like janelle had to be like honey stop i don't think he likes a it jewish last name. <laughs> snowman. that's awesome snowman. you know like well, i was oh, like man. why are you doing that you know john if you're listening i would love to have you on this mm-hmm. podcast with my wife we'll just do the opening question you guys can leave you know, I don't know. John knows. John knows I love him. John knows I love John, him. John, I don't even remember the last time I really had a conversation with you, man. Come on, man. We need to talk a little bit. So please come on the show. Please come on the show. We'll love for you to be on the show. So anyway, I okay. Of, I'm thinking of something that I have. I feel like I must have something with PP. Like you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I, I mean, you know, I will say my my pet peeve is that you. You keep you have like a certain I feel like you have like an archetype of like how you view me and there's certain things that are don't fit, but then you automatically just link it to that. Like for example, even the things like with the achievements, you already have it said in your mind that I can't take compliments. So then when I say something that's literally not an accomplishment, you just automatically link it to it. There you go, archetype. So I can't take compliments once again. You do do that. You do do that. There's no nuance. Like there's no nuance. Like you've already decided who I am and what I'm like. (laughs) So you automatically just link it to your defined stereotype archetype. Steve, am I right? I can't refute that. That's true. I can't refute that. That is that is like like, there are never any like conflicting opinions. I I live in the he finds a way to lump it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's like still part of the same narrative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like one time there was a time when I did something, I did like a huge fail. I mean, not to go into this again, but then literally like it was like, remember when like I completely oh, screwed yeah. up that whole project and then PP was like, but it's because you listened to this other person. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is because you listened to that person. Well, but PP like He's clearly still doing I, it. See what He's I mean? still doing it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you can't handle the complexity of like a person that you like also having been such a failure. So you just have to blame it on this other third person. It's like, it's like you know, flat earthers, like no matter how often you prove to them the world is not flat they'll be oh that instrument is broken yeah like, i must has, have like, gotten a, a lemon. very very you know how there's that whole thing about how you need to what was the like the numbers it's like <laughs> if you already have a bias towards something it takes seven times as many like opposing things to even make you question your belief remember <laughs> that? that pp is like supremely like he probably needs like 40 oh of them 40 times oh as goodness. much because oh once you believe something it's really hard to change your mind yeah, that is true. That I I can't I can't refute that. That is one hundred percent true. Absolutely. Okay. 
Well, this is great. That was a fantastic question, Steve. I love that question. Thank you. That was awesome. I spent months so much thinking about it. It's far months. greater than mine. Uh, so, Sue, we'll save my question for another time. So, think about that. We already did Worst that day. question. No, we did it. We didn't, like, I didn't share. Steve, so, you know, we, have we, we not done variations time. of this question? I, I mean, I haven't, you guys, <clears throat> I haven't listened to any of the new season yet. So, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have not shared the things that I'm going to share with you in that. I have answers and I, and I don't think I've shared that before. I might have, like, during the episode when we talk about a topic, but never in an opening question. So, we'll see. Stop we'll looking see. at me like that. All right. So, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, can't, I right. can't unknow nipple now. Like it's, it just keeps like entering the transient on my brain, and I just keep thinking yeah, nipple I, touching. I'm like so, really I, embarrassed that you said. I'm like really embarrassed. Yo, that you but that was your question, not mine. Okay, so I'm a little self conscious about my nipple, and so when you touch them, then I'm like, oh shoot, now everyone's gonna be looking at my nipple. So anyway, so no one's looking. It's just me, bro. Right. I promise. No you. one's looking it's at my no nipple. Right. It's literally right. just me. You Remember know, that Seinfeld episode, the nip episode on Seinfeld? That was one of the best episodes. You know what it is? Ever. It's because like when we we're when we're next to each other, it's eye level. So it's right in front of me. That's the only reason. So no, I promise you, no one else is looking. No one else is really that short on our staff. I promise. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk. We're going to, we have to get to the topic here, guys. We've been doing this for like almost a half hour. All right. We got to get to our topic. So Steve kind of lead the way a little bit, and then we'll just kind of, you know, organically ask each other questions and kind of feed off of it, if you will. So yeah, yeah, you had a great sure. idea about doing a show topic. So go for it. Yeah. So you, I wanted to come on and ask, ask each of you or get like, cause you, I think all three of us <clears throat> have such a, an interesting dynamic when it comes to the lead pastor position, like pastor Peter, you are the lead pastor. Sue and I've both yeah. been your uh, executive assistants. We've both been like your employees. And I was at a, um, an executive pastors conference and the the keynote speaker said something really interesting uh she she'd informed all of us and you know sue made a point because we were talking about this uh off air that's not surprising but it still was uh like a not a surprise but it i i guess like didn't think about it but she was like the executive pastor position didn't really exist before like the 1900s before like the the mid like the 1950s essentially and mm -hmm. she was like um your that job exists because uh churches were getting to the size where one person one pastor one lead pastor could not do everything so they have to offload some of the the role that they either can't do or don't want to do at that capacity that's why like uh a lot of executive pastor positions like while in like as an idea they're similar in practicality in each situation they're kind of different um, and so I, I just started thinking about, oh, like what makes Pastor Peter a great boss? Cause I, I think a lot, if you pulled most people that have been on Metro staff, both current and former, they would say that you're a great boss, you know, and not everyone though, but yeah, not everyone. Sure. Not everyone, yeah. but you know, we can even go into that in terms of like, was that a reflection of them? or you or like the chemistry, mm. the dynamic, the specific dynamic between you two. And so the kind of, it, it just got me thinking like um, about this whole, like how you choose like who you want on staff. And I, my, I guess my first question is we, we can start here and then we'll go on, but it's like, why is it good to have a happy staff? Cause like, I think for, if you're a pastor listening to this and you're a pastor that's listened to this and maybe you don't go to Metro or maybe you go to Metro and you're thinking about ministry, I think a lot of it can be like, oh, am I equipped 
can I do this? How do I like not fail? How do I succeed? Like, how do I uh, make sure like God is using me, so on and so forth. But um, I think the part that people often forget about is like, not just like your relationship with the congregation, but like your relationship with the employees. So like, why is it good to have a happy staff? Well, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been, and what's the value in that? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's everything. Uh, I've been a part of a staff before when I, when I wasn't a senior pastor and it was a large staff, but I just didn't think we were very happy. Like I just, nobody really knew each other and it was just odd. And, and, you know, I came in as an intern and so I didn't, I, I wasn't like a part of the staff. And so I never felt like I was really a part of the staff while I was there. I always felt like an outsider. I didn't like that feeling. Um, you know, I want to kind of break in and, and feel like I was a part of the staff, but I never felt like it. And they weren't trying to exclude me. That was never their intention. But it just, there wasn't just a, I guess the staff didn't have a culture where it was easy for outsiders to kind of come in and really feel connected, right? And so for me, I just feel like that's really important. And I know, and there's been so much research studies on this, business books, if you read them, leadership books, that when you're when you're when your team is happy and they enjoy working, uh, they will actually work harder for you. They'll work harder for the church. They'll work harder for the company in which they're employed in because they're having fun. They feel connected. And for me, that was really important. But I think the biggest part of it was that, you know, if we're going to be this church where we champion weakness and vulnerability, I think for me, what was really important is that I wanted to make sure that our staff was doing that regularly because, you know, like the pace of the leaders are the pace of the team. And so for me, I, I, I realized that if, if the staff wasn't being vulnerable weak with one another, then we're never going to be able to achieve this as a church. Like, I can't just be the one doing it. It's got to be the entire staff. And so I don't know if you remember this, Steve, but at the beginning of the year, the very first staff meeting of this year, I told every staff member, and I'm going to check in on them when I get back. If they haven't done it, then I'm going to force them to do it. I'm actually going to assign them. But I said, I need you to get together with at least one other person on this staff because they've seen you for the last couple of years. And I just want you to get feedback on what they think are some of your potential weaknesses where you need to grow in, right? Some of the some of the things that they've seen over the years. I just think it's really important that we have that kind of an environment where we can be very open and honest and give feedback to one another. So anyway, so I mean, for me, that's just really important because I know that when we're connecting that way, when we're opening up, when we're sharing, when we're praying for each other and really allowing staff to be a community, then I just know that it's going to be the right thing for our church. I know that if we do that, then the church can, then the church has a chance. So that's kind of like for me, and I know it's a long answer. That's why for me, it's so important for us to have a, a healthy and a happy staff, the best we can be. A joyful, I'll say a joyful staff, not a mm. happy, but a joyful. Yeah, yeah, staff. yeah. That's you know, that's that's a good distinction. And then Sue, I guess for you is like having been on staff for so long, and clearly you enjoyed it enough where now you're doing like a podcast with PP. Well, but like, the podcast what, what... happened because I didn't think he was really going to do it. I just said yes, because <laughs> I, I was like, PP has so many, he's a visionary. He has so many ideas that never come to fruition. So when he told me that this was what he was thinking, I was like, sure. Because I didn't think it was going to materialize. I don't know. But then, but you bought in pretty quick because you started buying stuff. You started buying equipment like pretty look early at, on. Look at, her per, okay. look at her professional listen, gear now. I will tell you though, I will tell you that after I moved from Metro, and I don't just say this to like blow smoke up your butts, um, or nipples. <laughs> Sorry. <I can't. laughs> 
Um, I after I left, like after I moved away from New Jersey. I, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get like stoned for saying this. Obviously, I have like really close friends in New Jersey whom I love and family. But honestly, I told John I really only miss Stephen PP because we used to like hang out like all the time at the office. Mm. It's a very like friends. I still make time to see them, right? Like I still mm. you know text them. We have phone calls. Like I go on vacations, whatever. But there's something about like the day to day like checking in with each other and like I got so used to seeing you guys on a daily basis of just like that meaningless banter that actually accumulates to mean the whole relationship like Mm -hmm. I really miss that you know and so when so yeah one of the reasons why he was like let's do it I was like yeah I mean I got to hang out with PPE like sure great you know so like what 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 so in lieu of that or in line with that it's like as an employee right who is working for for Pastor Peter, like, clearly you enjoyed it enough where, yeah, like, you're like, I'll do the podcast because I get to talk with him again, get to hang out with him again. Did you find that, like, what was the value in that for you as an employee? The value of liking my boss? Yeah, liking your boss, liking the environment, you know, um, having, being, yeah, like, just having a relationship with your boss where you're like, it's more than just, uh, oh, this guy that, like, cuts the check. You know, sorry, I'm going a little bit off tangent here, but I'm trying to think oh, about what a this because no, no, well, be quiet, <laughs> all right? Be quiet. <laughs> Add it to your next pet peeve list, okay? Because when you come for the next episode. Um, no, but it's it's interesting because um, I guess the question becomes like how how much of it is boss per se and how much of it is like the work environment because I'm trying to see if those two things are different. Like I'm comparing it to the job I had previous to Metro, which is I used to work at a hospital. I was a social worker. I hated my boss. Like I detested my boss. She was the most incompetent, like unkind person I have ever worked for. Like those two Mm. things, at least if you're competent, fine. If you're a jerk, but she was a jerk, but she was also super incompetent. Okay. Mm. I detested my boss, but I loved my coworkers. Mm. And so it still made it a positive experience overall for me, because even though I hated my boss, just going to work and having fun with my coworkers made it good enough. So I, I'm trying to figure out what is there a difference between having a good boss versus having just a good group of coworkers. Well, I know that's I, I not think, your question, yeah, but I think in the church context, it, it's a little different because the lead pastor has like I I doubt in your like old work setting how much power you like actual like power yeah, and authority that's true. That's true. your boss had. Whereas yeah, in, in church setting, like the lead pastor has as much as he or she wants and is like willing to keep. You know what, you know what's interesting also? I'm going off a tangent again, but <laughs> sure. um, but I I recently said this to John and many of the random things I throw at him that he has no response to because he's like not interested, but I just keep talking at him. It's like my marriage. I said That's to John, what I, I do like, to Janelle. Ooh. I do yeah, that to Janelle yeah. all the time. Good to know there's one of each in each marriage. But I said to John, I said, you know what's weird is sometimes PP refers to me as a friend. And it's weird to me because I never think of PP as a friend. Like, like there's been mm, times when Pastor Peter's messaged me and said, oh, you're like, like, I think at my last birthday, you said, <laughs> you said something like, I'm like one of your closest lady friends. I was like, that doesn't <laughs> sound right, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have many lady friends. I have very few. So you're terrible. one of my closest ones, for sure. So <laughs> you're one of my closest lady friends. No, I just, I think, I, I remember what I said. Yeah, I said lady friend, right? I didn't use the other word. Lady friend sounds so weird. Okay, no, but anyway. 
You know, you always remember these weird things. It's such a weird, weird way to phrase it. Like, why couldn't you just say I'm a friend? Or like a female friend. I feel like lady friend just sounds even yeah, yeah, I should have said, well, you know, I'm not great with words. So female friend would have been the best. So I think that would have been the best. It's so that would have been the funny. Best I burst out words. laughing. Like, it was so <laughs> funny. No, because obviously I understood what you meant. Yeah, but yeah, I remember yeah, saying yeah. to John, I was like, you know, PP says these things. He refers to me as a friend, uh, which, which um, is such like a equal in power type of dynamic. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever ever seen our relationship as an equal power dynamic mm -hmm. because it started off as senior pastor to congregation member then it went to boss and person who works under him and so even now when like i've left the church and i no longer i'm under your authority in any way i still don't ever think of you as a friend i still think wow. of you as somebody who's at, at the the closest thing would be maybe like a mentor or something like that, but I would never like it, the friend dynamic. Sorry, this is totally a tangent. Yeah, but but a positive, but a positive. So maybe let's circle back. <laughs> let's circle back, Steve. Steve, you can't just be here and laugh. At no, it's just, it's just you said I know the tangent, and PB just he went yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's my lady friend. What can I say? <laughs> Okay, sorry. I'm gonna have to edit so much of this out because it's just us laughing on screen. No, no, no. no you don't. But this, but this you know what? Out. This goes. To, but that's interesting, you know... Sua. It's interesting. It does. It does go like, to it. Yeah. No, no, but Sua, I, I would have never thought that. I, like, you know, I just would think we're friends now. Like, yeah, we're total friends. I know I used to be a boss, your pastor, but I've just, yeah. I mean, I guess over the years, I've just seen you as a friend. And, uh, but yeah, so that's interesting that you share that. I, I, I wouldn't have noticed that. But yeah, but yeah, I guess I should have because you still call me PP. So. No, it's very hard for me to think of you as like just a friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still, I still feel it, it's, and again, going back to your question, kind of, I don't think power dynamic always has to be a negative thing. Like, I feel like if I say mm -hmm. that and I say, oh, yeah. I feel like PP still like my boss or still like an authority figure for me, that kind of seems like a negative thing. Like, well, no, that's, that's not a good thing. Like, why can't you guys just be friends? But to me, PP as an authority figure to me has never been a negative experience. It's only ever really been a positive experience. Mm. And so I don't have any issues carrying that with me in this next phase of our relationship because it's always been a positive experience for me. Like it's not something that I was like, oh God, I can't get wait to get rid of this like burden of like this. Like, you know, it's always been like, oh, I, I love that. I love that we get to do this past, you know, week past your podcast. And I still feel like you have some authority in my life. You know what I mean? Mm. Cool. I don't know. Does that kind like of go that. back to anything yeah. that you want to say, Steve? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not really, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess so. So PP, I guess uh, the follow-up question is like, what are ways that you make sure that your staff is joyful? That there is that like camaraderie, that it is like inclusive, that no one does feel kind of like on the on the outskirts. And and, and I think we should caveat with like. Like, I know that there are people on staff who, like, there are levels to it, right? It's, yeah. like, on a spectrum. Yeah. But for right. the most part, everyone does feel, at least to a certain degree, included. How do you, you know? know? Even though, how do I know? Yeah, how do you know uh, that they do? I mean, I I guess it's one of those things. It's, it goes back to that pet peeve. Like, I just, I just know. Can you just... 
trust me. No, no, I. It's like I've talked with enough of them. <laughs> I feel like okay. No, 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 I only ask because I'm I'm addressing the elephant into the room. Maybe it's not an elephant for a lot of people, but um, remember when Pastor Peter talked about in that episode about how he had the LT, the leadership, the elders ask yeah. him whatever they wanted to ask him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They and he said one of the people asked him, "How do you?" How do your staff members deal with you having favorites? Okay, do you remember this question? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember saying to John, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Does he really have like overt favorites? I was like, I don't know. I mean, like, I know you're a favorite, like that. I mean, but then like, and then John was like, Yeah, you don't know because you were a favorite. Only the favorites <laughs> don't know that he has favorites. That's what uh, he I, said. I was, I was pretty aware of it. Okay, but that's why I'm asking. Like, you say that to him as if it's like a given. Yeah. But I do think in some ways this dynamic is interesting because, you know, I would say, I guess looking back on it, like, yeah, I, I guess maybe I would have qualified as a favorite and you do too. We have a really positive relationship with PP. So I guess it's, I just wonder, would everybody feel the same way? Well, when I, when, when I talk about that, Joey, I don't mean necessarily in their, in how intimate their relationship is with Pastor Peter, but like having yeah. created a culture on staff okay. where okay. on some yeah. level yeah. they do feel included, maybe not with Pastor Peter, but at least like okay. on a staff Fair. level. Well, I, I sure hope that. I mean, that that's what I that that's what I'm hoping because I think that the big thing is is that do we have a, a, a culture where people feel connected to one another, not just to me, because that that'd be that'd be unhealthy, I think, but like can they feel connected to others? And um yeah, I mean I, I for me that's really important and I, I want to make sure that that's there. Uh it was I, I don't wanna I, I, I want to be very honest. I think, you know, I struggle when I feel like there's been times where I feel like the staff might not be like this, might not be as connected as I hoped it would be. And uh, and there have been times like that. And I've struggled with that, you know, and I've had to deal with staff members that I feel like are trying to kill that culture. And I've had to pull them aside and basically like give them very stern warnings, like almost to the point of you will never do that again. Mm. Okay, so let's let's park the car here for a second. Yeah. Why? Like if and speak specifically to like pastors yeah. who may be listening who are thinking about church planning, maybe have a smaller staff that are thinking about, you know, um like uh creating jobs and roles to increase their staff. Like what would happen if you didn't value those things? Like what would happen if you didn't make that a priority? Like give like a kind of like a, a warning or yeah. Like those pastors who like maybe it's not high on their on their list of priorities right now. Well, so if you're a lead pastor and this is not high on your priority list, then my guess would be that your staff is probably pretty unhealthy. People are not connected to one another because if you don't care about it, nobody will care about it. But I, I've realized early on that if our church staff is is not going to feel connected with one another, that this can be an outlet, a place, an oasis at times where they can be with one another and spend time, not only have fun, but can also have heart to hearts and share each the struggles and the wows and the woes of ministry, then I think it's it's uh it's going to be very difficult for people to want to stay in the position. And and you'll probably see a lot of high turnover already. If you're wondering why your pastors are leaving you, that might be the reason why, one of the reasons why. But here's the the big thing that that I will not tolerate. And this is the thing that I, I have a very short fuse on. So this is something that I don't like sleep on. It's it's I take care of it right away. When I see a staff member disrespecting another staff member, that's when that's when I lose it. That's when I get upset. And that's happened a couple times in staff during a staff meeting. And I've seen it 
And, uh, and, and, and I'm not talking about maybe just what they, I mean, cause we say things to offend people and that's, that's one thing, but literal disrespect, I will, I will nip that at the butt and I will just say, you will never do this again. Like that, I, I, yeah, I will never tolerate that behavior ever again at staff meeting, um, of what you just did. And so for me, that's really important. And, uh, and for me to do that, and just to give an example, um, we had one time, uh, in our staff meeting, uh, we had a staff member walk out of staff meeting and he just, he, this person just decided to go home because of what the staff person was leading. He just didn't jive with it. He didn't like it. So he just left. He just went home. And I brought that person aside. You know, I forget when it was probably like two days later. And I was very firm. I said, you will never do that again because you've disrespected the person who's leading staff meeting. <laughs> Even if you don't like it or if you don't agree with what's going on, as a staff, we have to be together, right? And you will show respect. And then I made that person call the person and apologize for what he did. And uh, so that was really important for me. So I won't tolerate that. I won't tolerate when staff members, if I know about it, if I don't know about it, it's one thing. But if I know about it, I cannot tolerate that. And I feel like once we start losing respect for each other as a team, I think that's when I think the enemy will come in and really try to divide the staff. And then when that happens, then the church is divided, in my opinion. So I yeah. hope that helps. No, no, that's yeah. that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, so that's kind of like on a on a macro level, right? Sue, why do you look confused? Are you trying to figure it out? I'm trying to I'm, no, I'm I'm just I, I don't I don't understand why anybody would walk out. Like it just makes I, 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 disrespect to me sounds like um if somebody makes a snide comment or like if somebody yeah. you know says something and they challenge them in a very disrespectful tone something like that like mm. to me like somebody walking out in the middle of like a meeting is not disrespectful per se is the problem like i feel like that's more than just disrespectful like that seems a little crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, who uh, it happens that? who know? stands up in the middle of a staff meeting and walks out I it will say ridiculous. it was like it, it was it was, it was it it was hidden because what happened was we were in one section and then we all got up to go to another section afterwards. And when that happened, that's when the person left. So it wasn't like during the staff okay. meeting, it was serious. And then the person just gets up and walks out. It was there was a transition period. And in that transition period, the person left. Yeah, and, and I will say like tensions were really high that day because it was like still at the height of the pandemic like we were still closed we were like trying to figure out mm -hmm. if we like if we were going to open when we were going to open how we were going to open um i'm not to say like that it was cool um because yeah, i didn't really notice until pastor peter was like can you believe that and i was like what <laughs> like can i believe what what happened <laughs> you know um so but no i mean your 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 radar is like so sensitive to stuff like that you know, um, yeah. and I don't yeah, mean like in a bad way, like it's in, in, in a good way. Let's let's transition over a little bit to helping pastors identify good staff members. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing I've noticed is there seems to be like two schools of thought. I'm sure there are more, but the, the, the two most prevalent ones that I've seen are um, like hiring from the outside. Right. And then hiring internally. And I, I should note that a lot of the internal hires at Metro, it's not good. I'll give you an example. It's like, we broke up into small groups at this conference and we were, it, the, our small group leader was like, what's like the biggest hurdle for you right now? And 
some of the uh, other executive pastors shared that like their biggest challenge is like getting their lead pastors like priority in check. And then we asked like, oh, like what, what is their number one priority right now? And one of them was like, my lead pastor's number one priority seems to be making sure his child becomes a full-time uh, like employee. Like that seems to super at the church at the church, at the church. At the church. Wow. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, when I say internal hires it, at Metro, it's really just like identifying congregants who might be ready to, you know, join staff and transition from like their old careers. I think, you know, Sue and I, and I think a lot of people on our staff are like that. So like, what are things that you identify in people, whether it's external hires or, you know, people within your church, in your congregation that makes you think like, cause you do this like really well and you're in the middle of doing it now. You know what I mean? Where you identify someone's like, Oh, there's a need here. Like this person could do it. Like how, what do you identify in that? Cause it can't just be skill. Right. Yeah, and you know, add I, to I, that, have you always been good at it? No, no. I, well, no, no, no. I will just say that I, I think I'm intuitive enough um, uh, to kind of see it, but I always have my radar on. Like, I'm constantly thinking about recruitment. When you say constantly, what, what does that mean? Like, like I, if I just meet a random person or something like at church or maybe I meet like a pastor or somebody else, whatever, I'm always thinking like, can this person potentially be a part of our church staff? Like my radar never that that never turns off. There That's used to be another radar PP had, but he's he doesn't do what? it anymore. What's there the used to be another radar where he used to be like like oh this person is so great. Like why are they not married? Like can I find somebody for them? He used to have this <laughs> radar also, but he's yeah. given that one up. I have because people were telling me stop setting people up because you're not good at it. And I was like, there's you know well there is one it. guy that Pastor Peter and I talk about all the time, and we're like, how yes. is this? That guy, man. And, and, and back then, back then, Steve, I would set that guy up with somebody because I'd just be like, there's no way this guy should be single. No way this dude should be single. So I would set him up with somebody. But I have learned since that I'm not, not good at Not to this, say that single people have something wrong with them. Just For sure, for sure. Out there. Yes, Wait, so, yes, yes, yes. So, PB, is it like, is it only when there's a need? Like, okay, so there are like one or two positions that we need to be filled. But are you just like, if you see if you, like what is it in these people that you're identifying where you're like, oh, mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. could potentially be someone that's, yeah. that joins our staff? Uh, well, I always ask the most important thing is before I can even think about like the work. Can they do the work, which is, of course, very important. Can they be competent in it? I ask myself, can they do they have the chemistry with our staff? Hmm. Like, would they be able to connect with our culture? And that's why I love the in-house hires, because they know the church already. I don't have to explain it. Right. And so it was easy for me like with the Suas of the world and you of the world, because it was just like, you guys know the culture of the church. So I knew you guys would be able to like really connect well with the culture. I would say the only thing is I wish I wish I had, I wish I can give somebody really like, this is this is what you should do. But honestly, I just think, and I it's not a cop-out, but it's really God. Like, I think in many ways, like I really ask God and I'm like praying through it. I'm like, God, what's going to happen? Like even with you, with you, Steve, even you, Sua, like it was just God, like we need somebody to do this position, you know, justice, advocacy, compassion, like God, we, I need you to find us somebody. Who do you think could be it? And like, you just kind of like thinking it through with God, even with you, like Steve, because I was just walking Kobe and I was praying. It was a prayer walk. And I was just like, God, like I need an executive pastor. I can't do this without one. And like, you know, when God said it was you, 
that was like completely out of left field because I would have never really thought of that on my own. And I'm like, what? I was like, are you Steve? I was like, wait a minute. Are you sure about that one? And and so we just kind of like started talking through it. And God just like convinced me totally. And he was like, why do you think I made him a pastor? Why do you think he's licensed now? Like, this is the process. I, I was raising him up so that he can be the EP one day of the church. And I was just like, whoa. And that's when I was walking. I saw David Hosang hanging out at my park, my town. His, on his my park, Sabbath, his park, yeah. my park, my park. Right. So you, like, you seem like you had a question. No, I, I know I had I wanted anyway. to say something because and correct me if I'm wrong, PP, and I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. So I'm going to try to like not be too blatant about oh. it. But um, I, I feel like there's something with PP where like before he sees like the job, like the actual job, mm. he sees mm. like the person. So yes. the reason why I say that is because this is a funny anecdote. I don't think he was serious, but I remember after I moved away from Metro, he was like, girl, are you coming back? Are you going to come back? And I was like, why are you going to give me a job? I don't even have a job anymore. Like Sunita took my job. So then he was like, I'll make a job for you. I'll make a job for you. And obviously he was joking, I think, but I no, think I wasn't, stuff, I not no, joking. I think there's a position for okay. You. But like yeah. what it is, is I feel like a lot of times the way hiring happens is you have a job description, you have a role to fill, exactly. and then you look for the characteristics of the person that would do that job proficiently. Yeah. But I think before all of that, the way PP sees a person is they just say, he just sees the person and says, would this person add to the richness of our culture? And if the yeah. answer is yes, he'll figure out a job. Because yeah, yeah. I think before oh, the actual proficiency Perfect. of the job, he values more the kind of person yeah. and the character of the person. Um, and he knows that the job will come as long as it's a person with good character and they're proficient, they can do it. Not for all jobs, but like sure, sure. some of yeah. the jobs, right? Yeah. Um, but more than that, he just sees the person themselves and says, will this person fit? And will this person, you know, be a good addition? And I think that's precedes the conversation of will this person. And, fit and all I would say, and, and again, like, you know, and Steve is here. So that's why he could back me up. But like when you were on staff, you added to the richness of the staff culture. Thank People you. wanted to be in the office because Sua was there. And it wasn't that just playing around, but it was just like, no, come and share your heart with like, it was just like one of those weird, but okay, just come and just talk to you. But can I'm I have like, a, what the heck? Steve, I'm going to so, usurp your moderator role oh, for a second. Cause I have oh, a question. I have a question. Yeah. Cause by the time I got to Metro, right. It was still, it, there, there was staff already. Like I wasn't the first staff no. hire. Right. Um, It was a different office. Like it was, it was less a small people. staff though. It was a very yeah. So have you seen the culture of the staff evolve at all? Or has it always kind of been set that way? You know what I mean? Because it's been how many years now? Like how many years has Metro been around? The big 2-0. Going on 2-0. Okay, so over the April. past 20 years, like have you seen the culture evolve at all? He's like, I don't know the answer. <laughs> all I would say is this, Sua, like when you left, like, yeah, Sunita came and did a tremendous <laughs> job and continues to do a tremendous job with what she does. But the thing that that Steve and I lament still. Don't is... no, don't let me into this opinion. <laughs> but you, I'm, I'm putting you in yourself your... right now. OK, yeah. I don't know what the, you're going to say. You no, speak just, for yourself. They're, they're like, you know, like I, I kind of say it like just like Dying. in this way. But, you know, Google. Mm -hmm. A lot of these millennial companies really wanted to create an amazing working environment so that people would want to stay at work and they would work long hours, right? They would do things like that. They put in a movie theater, they put in a ping pong table, they put in a sleeping room, whatever they did. I mean, it was like the place was like Disneyland, right? And so 
they did that so that people would really enjoy being at work. And I really think that, you know, when you left, not that people don't want, of course, people enjoy the work at the church and the staff members, but there was an element that was lost. There was something that you brought, like the Google effect, where people really enjoyed being in the office because you were there. And that was something that we've lost and that we've really, we really haven't had anyone to replace that. That, that that kind of that's why when i said if you ever want to come back to staff we'll we'll figure it out we'll figure it out because he said he'd get me like a chair a, next to the water cooler i'll just sit there that, yeah that is such a quality piece that was so special like people just loved coming and sharing and you but, kind of like i don't know you were you were able to let people be honest vulnerable and you gave them like great input and feedback and so people like, kind of needed to talk to you about things that they were struggling with life and you just kind of listened and you kind of gave your feedback and that was kind of it so any event yeah okay moving so, away from me steve yeah. is there something you want to say about the conversation we we're having before i don't like yeah, so we, we're gonna have to wrap up soon so yeah. yeah so i guess my question for you is like as an employee right like yeah I'm, there might be lead paths out there who are either doing it or had it, made it a priority and just like maybe weren't executing it well um or even like in metro's case with pastor peter like he had these ideas only like, i'm gonna make sure if there's anyone to spay call it out nip in the blah 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 but for you as an employee because like sometimes um it, it's kind of like what you said about me before like it, it, it's something you'll say flippantly that mm-hmm, i find mm-hmm. so touching as opposed mm-hmm. to things that you're like you're trying to say where yeah, you're, you're yeah. intentionally trying to like move me or whatever yeah. right like what are some things as an employee that you identified like oh like they're onto something here. Like this is why this like works. And it, it might be something that he like put a lot of um, like thought into or it might be something that just like happened by chance. So, you know, what's interesting is I wonder if there's it's a different relationship between PP and me and PP and maybe like you or like another male employee like i definitely think there's like a gender oh, dynamic for sure. for sure um because i've had you know many people who came into my office when they were sad or after a bad critique or whatever a lot of them were men um and i i think there's something i i feel like my relationship with pp even though i say it is a power dynamic it was less like rigidly hierarchical and i don't know if you feel the same way steve so maybe you can talk about that too but for me even though i say pp never felt like a friend to me i also never felt like there was a hierarchy necessarily where like I had to like show certain deference or like have a certain wall because he's still like my higher up. Like it was still, it was a very friendly um, power dynamic. Like, so like, like stupid things like PP would come into my office and want to be yelled at me for not replenishing my snacks stock. And I was like, it's my snack. Why yell. are you yelling just, at me? I was hungry. Oh, and then one time I had a banana. He asked me if I was going to eat the banana and then he ate it. Like, look, <laughs> <laughs> but like okay that's like a stupid example but no yeah. i think i don't think you know what i'm gonna cut you off just for a hustling and let you go yeah. but it's like it's not a stupid example because i think in those instances the the communication is like i'm not just a boss here yes yes that's exactly what it is it's like it's funny um he's just a human like who who just yells at me about does my not snacks. take himself super seriously he used to love my icebreaker cube gums like he used to eat like half of my oh my god thing yeah like I all the time with that, yeah and, because of you but it's something about the way he approaches me is not like i am a boss i need to present myself a certain way this is the way a boss should behave in front of their employee like sometimes like he felt like my little brother like he he was just like you know what i mean and but the i think the irony of it is 
I never lost the authority part of it. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like somehow he was able to traverse this strange land of me yeah. feeling like he's so endearing to me. Like I, th- I thought he was like, oh, PP, you know, but also never losing any of the respect that I had for him. And I wonder if maybe those two play together. Like, what do you, what is your opinion on this, Steve? Yeah. Oh no, for sure. It's like, um, able to thread, like being able to thread the line between being a friend, but then it, it depends on the, you know, what it is, I think what's really important for like a, a church staff culture is people being able to turn it on and off in certain situations, you know, like in this situation, we are all equals mm. in these situations. Mm. We do have to follow like the org chart, you know, when it comes yeah, to, yeah. when it comes to thoughts, opinions, uh, feedback, we're all equals here. But when it comes time to make a decision, then we have to like fall in line. And hopefully I have earned your trust yeah. in when it's mm-hmm. time for when we're all equals. Yeah. And then because I've earned your trust, you can respect when my opinion differs from yours when it's come time yeah. when it comes time to like make a decision. That's you so know, true. Yeah. Yeah. So what all I would say is this, and it didn't happen on day one, but I think like as a church grew, like I realized that like like when I hired you, Sua, it wasn't like Sua do what I tell you to do, but it's like, Sua, I can't do this without you. No, it was like, Sua, I don't have a job description. Just write it yourself. <laughs> exactly. I was like, Sua. No, that's you, that's good. That's real like, good. Sua, you need to do this. Like, <laughs> I, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I'll let you do it. You know, and stuff like that. Unless it's heretical. Like, I, 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 I that's the only time I'll put my foot down. But like, I want you to go and do this. Like, I need you to lead this. Like, so like for even with, with Steve, like, you know, like uh, the part of even like being the EP now, it's just like, I, I don't really know what it's like to be an EP, even though I've had an EP for a long time. But I'm just like, I trust you. I know you. I trust you. And I need you to lead. I need you to lead the staff. I need you to lead, you know, our budget process, all that stuff. And and so it's just this trust in knowing, this deep belief in knowing this. I cannot do this on my own. And actually, I think this might be the real thing that might work. I'm not sure. But I never believe I'm the smartest person in the room. You know, so I don't think like, oh, gosh, like whatever I say has to be done. But I just like, here's my thoughts, you know, and stuff. And let's let's talk about it. And it took time because I think in the beginning, I wanted everyone to listen to what I had to say. But then like people disagreed. I'm like, oh, OK, well, maybe I should listen to this because this is making a lot of sense. And I think that's an important thing. But I just for me, it's I don't think of my role as a boss to like telling people what they need to do. It's more like like, nah, I can't do Metro Kids. I just can't. It's not my area of expertise. Like, I just can't. I need you to do this. Like, even like with Shirley, when she led, I was like, this is your department. I just, I can't, I need you to do this. Like, there's no way I can do this without you. And I think just understanding that and respecting that. And um, I think maybe that's part of it. Like, I don't know, but I think that's just kind of like my understanding of, of maybe how the culture has been created in that way. So. Can I ask no, you that, a tough that, question? That tracks. Oh, go on, Steve, go. Oh, no. Yeah, we'll ask your question. I, I think what tracks for me having had like five jobs is that in each time I never felt like you just wanted me to do what you would do. Yeah. You know, it was never like, Oh, I just need you to do it Cause I don't have time and do it exactly the way I would do it. Here, like, here's yeah. what I need you. Here's not just like what I need you to do, but here's how I need you to mm. do it. Uh, there's a, there's a certain like humility in that, like, out, like, I trust that you'll do it your way i don't need to Mm -hmm. micromanage that Mm -hmm. but at the same time i could see certain 
types of bosses doing that because they don't care. Because like yeah. I actually don't care at all. Do whatever you want. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. Yeah. You know, it's like you yeah. care, but you're also not micromanaging. Yeah, because I believe you can do it. Like I'm just like, oh no, this person can do it. I don't need to micromanage it. And if okay, I feel but, like the person maybe can't, then I might have to get more, more involved. But yeah. Let's yeah, ask be the question realistic. Now. I mean, maybe you're going to say that's not true, but there's got to have been hires where you had to micromanage because that person was not doing a good job. Absolutely. And I, I guess my to, question yeah. is, what does that look like then? Like what it's, eventually ends up happening there? Because oh. not every single hire you hire must yeah. have been competent enough where you yeah, can yeah, just yeah. put no, hands I, off and say, I trust you. I've, I've made some really bad mistakes in hiring wrong people, uh, bad people that I shouldn't have hired. So I've made mistakes in that. And then I've made the mistakes of the mistake of not letting a person go uh, sooner I've waited too long because I just didn't want to hurt them and stuff like that. So I've done a lot of that stuff. But when when it comes to so this is you, so every path don't feel bad if you made bad hires. Every pastor, every senior pastor makes That's bad good. hires. Mm-hmm. I have not mm-hmm. met one senior pastor that says no. I've I I I'm batting a thousand. Every mm-hmm. hire I've made is great. I just think you gotta take risks. You gotta like trust and take risks, mm-hmm. and we learn from it. But I think the biggest thing is this, like, you know, and I don't like when people say like slow to hire, quick to fire. Cause I'm not, I'm, I don't like that because I feel like that's so worldly and that's so business-like, but I do agree with the fact is this, when somebody, you know, is not working out in your church, you know, they're not working out. You know, that they're actually hurting your staff culture. They're hurting your church. Like you have to like warn them. You have to let them know like what they're exactly doing. That's not right. But if they continue to do that, then you have to let them go. And I think that's the thing that I've learned over the years. Like there's just, you're going to make some bad decisions and that's just part of it, but you got to let them go because if you hold on to them too long, the amount of grief that they will cause you um, and the grief of the, that they will cause the church is just too much. And it's just better to just let them go, you know, and stuff. And then the other part, I would say the other part now that I'm getting older, and this is the harder part, you see your staff and some of them are so gifted. And then like you you have to say, I think your time is up here soon. You might have to go and think about becoming a senior pastor of your own church, you know, and you would like to keep them at the church for a long time, but you realize then you wouldn't be a good steward. Like they've learned and now they need to go out and do their own thing. And I think that's sort of like an area that's been fun, but it's also been hard, you know, kind of like saying goodbye to some really great staff people. We dealt with Clay recently when he moved to Chicago and I was talking to him years ago and I said, Hey, it's, it's time. It's time. And, um, and, you know, I talked to him last year and I said, Hey, here's the timeline. I'm going to give you a timeline. I just said, you have to June of 2023 to leave Metro, but it's time. You have to, you have to go out and be a senior pastor. And he was like, no, that's fine. That timeline is fine. And we were able to work through that and it went out, it went really well. So yeah, I don't know. That's just, that's just the, you know, uh, the, but the staff hiring is hard. It's hard to build a culture, but, uh, but uh, what I'll tell every senior pastor is you can't just let the executive pastor take care of it. You got to play a role. And I will say this, if you're a senior pastor and you don't ever attend staff meetings, I think that's a real big problem, real big, because I know a lot of executive, a lot of senior pastors that have a large staff. And they don't go. They're like, well, I got an executive pastor. They take care of staff meetings. No, no, they can manage the staff, but you still need to be there because no matter what, you're the culture builder of the church and you need to build that within the staff. So you need to go. You don't, may not have to go to every single one because you have other things, but you need to be there pretty much all the time. And so for me, it's a priority for me to be at staff meeting. And I think I think you, uh, you know, you, Steve, you would probably start to rebuke me if, you know, I started not coming. So I wouldn't anyway. just rebuke. I just I would just panic. 
I was just like, it, no, I'm just laughing because you're like, you don't have to go to every one, but you should be there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I guess, you know, no, I soon I, yeah, yeah, soon I made a face. Are you telling me that, and maybe it's because the only church we've worked at mm-hmm. is Metro, but like, are you telling me that there are senior pastors that don't go to staff meetings? Ever, ever. That's crazy. That's wild. They that just, is yeah, wild. That's crazy. Yeah, because they don't lead the staff. They the, they lead the executive pastor. The executive pastor leads the staff. Yeah, you so know there are pastors that that hardly ever go to staff meetings because their executive pastor does it. Yeah, so. just as like an aside, one of the in our, in like our executive pastor small group, one guy was like, when we we're going around talking about problems, he goes, um, "How do I, how do I fix this problem?" He was like, "My staff hates my my lead pastor," and I'm just like, "That's crazy to me." And and that and that speaks to that kind of behavior. that's probably because that lead pastor never attends the meetings, so they don't know the lead yeah. pastor, you know. And then yet he gives out directives, and they're just like, "I don't know this guy," and he's telling me to do all this, you know. And then the executive pastor is like, "I feel terrible." That's probably what it is, and so they don't like the lead pastor. Yeah, yeah. so um, you know, and I would say so just to give a little, but I I will just to help. I'm gonna do a pseudo thing here. I want to be an advocate for lead pastors. All right, I want to be an advocate for lead pastors. I think sometimes every staff member goes into a staff thinking that they're going to become best friends with the lead pastor. You cannot expect that. And sometimes they deal with that disappointment and they don't like the lead pastor because of that. And yet you just have to like realize they're, you know, you cannot expect to be their best friend. You know, uh, it's nice if it happens, but also understand that it, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't usually happen and it, it should be okay. So any event. Yeah. I, I know, uh, I know we're probably running out of time, but, um, I don't care. I like just to, cause I'm never going to be able to ask this again. So yeah. it's like, we we can end like in this sphere, but it's pretty quick, but it can be, it might not be. If you're a lead pastor, right. Wh- so what, so I, I know like you were on this like prayer walk with Kobe and you, know, you felt like God speaking to you, but whether it was me or whether it was like Kevin Swanson, right? Like what, cause he and I, are, and he, for those who don't know, he was um, like the first executive pastor for Metro for years. People love him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see and him. And he was a complete soon. outside hire. Yeah, he was a complete outside hire. Like what? And he and I are like so different, right? But what was it that you saw in uh, like help lead pastors, like give them a blueprint of like, this is how you identify right. and are sensitive to like finding so- that number two person. So you know what you know what it was for me with you at the end of the day, Steve, and I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but I knew you were already kind of like doing EP type stuff. And what I loved what you were doing was this: when you knew that staff were not getting along, what did you do? Oh, you got yeah. them in the room, you talked it through, so that they can be in a good place because you were protecting the culture of the staff. Like that to you was so important. You were like, uh-uh, I, I don't want to be a part of a staff where people are not liking each other. And so you will go out of your way in dealing with these types of conflicts that staff might have with one another so that there can be a healthy staff culture. I remember like when you would do that, I just thought, wow, that's like super impressive. I was so happy that you were doing that. And I feel like that is really like one of the major roles like I would want my executive pastor to be about. Not just do this, 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 and that, but are we... You know, because I've had to do it for so long, but the fact that that's a, such a major concern that you are like the protector uh, of our culture, and uh, you won't let any person come and try to harm it, 
I was like, this is fantastic. And so I knew that that was a big thing for me. I saw, oh no, this guy, this guy, is, I, th I think could be a great executive pastor, you know, and stuff. And that was sort of like initial. And then God spoke yeah, and, the, and that was, all, it all kind of came through. And I was like, oh yeah, he's protected the culture of the staff. He's done that. You know, and then as I talked to David, you know, Doug and Ansi and Sunita, they were all like, oh yeah, no, he can definitely do it and all that kind of stuff. So any of that, so I think- so Identifying me, someone who has like the same values- as exactly. You. Are you right? I, I think, up? yeah, I think, I think the person has to have those kinds of the things that you truly value most about staff, about how the church is going to be run, all that stuff. Like you have to like, really like be in the same page on that one. So for me, that, that was huge. That was huge. So, yeah. so then I, I guess my, the last part is for me, and this is the last question I have is like, how do you, so let's say you're a lead pastor out there and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, these are, these are all good things. On the flip side, what do you need to like? How do you help? And because I'm sure you've seen this, and I know Sue and I have seen this happen to you, but it's like, how do you avoid or filter out the people who have self serving agendas? You know, because I, I, I mean, I, I can, I'm going to speak for Sue here. It's like neither one of us were like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna get in good, we're likable, and we're gonna get become friends with him so we can like no. achieve a certain like yeah. level of success in the church. Like, how do you, like, what's advice, what piece of advice would you give other pastors? And they don't even have to be lead pastors at that point. It can be anywhere on the org chart. Like, how do you help them? Like, what would you tell them that would help them kind of filter out the people who it's like on paper, they're doing yeah. all these things that you're talking about, but like, how do you help them avoid some of the mistakes that, that we've made at Metro? Well, I think some of those mistakes are because of me. I hired the wrong people as well. Um, I all I would say is that what I look for when I bring on somebody or when I want when I want to bring somebody on is I ask myself, are they teachable? Do they have a heart of humility? That's really important because if they didn't have if they don't have those, I don't think they're able to really be a part of our team. And so to me, that's a really important part because I don't want somebody to come in and you know I think it's a natural human desire. Oh, I hope. I become best friends with the pastor. Hope I can move on up a little bit and this could promote me to this level and that level. And naturally, I think, you know, with somebody who's more of a type A personality, they might go in thinking like that, that are very goal oriented. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but if that's the only reason why they're doing what they're doing, then their ministry is going to be compromised. And I believe it's also a sign that they're emotionally unhealthy, that they're constantly needing success so that they can deal with their shame, right? Because a lot of times, People who are so success-driven, goal-oriented, wanting to achieve all the goals, oftentimes they're doing that because they're trying to deal and overcompensate because they struggle so much with their shame. Mm. And so for me, I think that's like really important. Like, does this person like really know Jesus? Are they humble? Are they teachable? And uh, and if they have that, then I think to me those are like the right the right ingredients. And I've made bad choices where you know I've I've hired people that weren't like that, and I've made mistakes. And Steve, you have pointed it out that I've made mistakes and stuff like that with some people that I've hired and that was not good hires. And I really appreciate that about you because you're very honest with me. I'm like, you're right. That was a bad hire. And so I think it's really important for lead pastors to have like invite other people to help mm, you make the decision. Yeah. Like, don't just figure out like, no, like in the past, like I was the only one I had to make the decisions. But now that we have like now I have a pastoral management team, I would never do an outside hire without them giving the green light. Like I would never like even a like, person in our church, like we would all have to be on the same page 
And that is going to be critical for us to move forward. You know, so I think that's really key. The other thing I would say is like, and I've said this to the PMT way in the past, Steve, I think even before you joined, but I think I got to remind them again. But, you know, we do, lead pastors do real stupid things sometimes. And I've told them, I said, like, during these PMTs, like, if you see me doing something real stupid, you got to just bring it up to me because I have blind spots. I don't know. I don't know some things that I'm doing that are actually hurting people or doing something that might be hurting the church. And so if I'm doing anything that's stupid, then I do need to reconsider. Like the time when I was kicking people out of the church because they didn't want to embrace our, our passion for racial justice. Right. You guys all remember that. And like David and Steve, I mean, not Steve, David and Kevin took me aside during a PMT meeting and they said, stop it. Stop kicking people out of the church. And I was just like, why? And they're like, because like Peter, if they leave Metro, they will never know the importance of racial justice being a part of the gospel message. Right. They're just going to go find a church that doesn't talk about it. And then they're just going to, you know, kind of get set in their ways. But if they're a part of Metro, who knows, maybe in a year or two, they might have a change of heart. God might speak to them. And then they will understand the depth of the gospel message. I mean, I remember when they, when Kevin shared that with me, I was like, oh my God, that's so true. Like, I got to stop kicking people out of the church, you know, and stuff like that. And so, you know, and I always did it as gently as I could. Like, this may not be the right church. Sure, sure, sure. But at the end of the day, I'm like, they're 100% right. And so, like, I need that as a lead pastor. I need people to be speaking into me because they see kind of what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. And if I if they see me doing something wrong, I want to make sure that I have a team that's telling me that I'm doing it wrong so that I can correct myself, right? Because I don't want to keep doing it wrong for a long period of time. So I think that's yeah. really, really critical. No, that that makes a lot of sense too. My question for you, and this this well, I promise this I don't want to answer oh, the yeah. question. I have something to say. <laughs> okay, go for it. Because I know you're going to ask the question. I'm going to be like, that's not what I'm going to say. Okay. So let's not even, you can okay, ask sure, it after. Sure. No, no. Okay. I was just thinking about like all the different facets of like Pastor Peter, because he's such like a paradoxical person sometimes. Like I'm listening, I'm listening to him speak. And you know, what's interesting is like, and I hate to be like a parrot and say this all the time, but um, you know, when you went through that whole emotionally healthy journey for you, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. pre EHS PP and like the mm-hmm. post EHS PP, mm-hmm. and you talk a lot about like how the metrics were so important for the pre EHS yeah. PP, the numbers, like the success, yeah. you know, the, yeah, the you goals. were on staff during that time, Sue, I believe. Yeah, right? yeah. You were on staff during that time. But you know what's interesting is like, and even when you talk about how it, it's really difficult for you. And in fact, I, I know you said it's difficult for you to fire staff members. And in fact, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, one of the reasons why you were so happy to bring Steve on is because Steve is really good at it. <laughs> or Steve will um, be yes. really good at it. I don't know. Well, I, think, no, I, th- I think he's going to be really good at it. Yeah, we have okay. no idea. Hopefully we'll okay. never find out. <laughs> well, so, but PP like hates firing. Like he, yes. he just like dreads firing. Yes. And you know, what's interesting is like, I think it's because more so than your role and correct me if I'm wrong both of you I feel like more than you identify as like like a CEO type of position you identify more as like like the shepherd pastoral role which is so what I mean to say is like more than you care about because now you're post EHSPP right you don't you are more about being faithful than you are about the success and the numbers and how it appears um you you have the freedom to kind of care more about investing in people like i'm thinking about you saying you send people out once you feel like 
you know what, this person could do much more in terms of ministry outside. That's a very non-worldly way of looking at it because I can't imagine mm-hmm. any corporation seeing somebody who's super, super gifted and being like, why don't you go and become your own CEO? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, they would be like, yeah. no, you stay here. I'll give you more incentives. You stay, you continue to grow my company and invest in my company. But I feel like the way you see it is you still, at the end of the day, have this ability to see people as people like as as Mm. a person as somebody that god has gifted outside of even metro instead of seeing them only in the way they relate to your own church like the way under you know what i'm saying Steve. you know what i'm saying right and i think that's why at the end of the day i can move away from metro and say i really miss pp i have no relationship to him in terms of my work anymore like i have i'm not under his tutelage i'm not under his authority but i just like miss him and i think it's because you always treated me as a person not just as a tool that's going to grow your own church mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and it's 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 so much more than i know steve is trying to get to the micro but in terms of the macro it's like you can't i feel like you can't do a lot of these things without having that mm. perspective of not seeing the people under your staff as just people who are doing things for your own church you know like you have to have this perspective of they're people created in the image of god who are who God is doing ministry through and whether they're in your church or not, they still have value. But I think a lot of times mm-hmm. I've seen that pastors only measure or relate to people in terms of what they can do for their own church or what they can do on their own staff. And you do, you don't, that's not the way you view your staff members. Well, I yeah. feel so great that you share that. Um, thank you for that. But you know, here's what I, this is, and I'm not, I'm not, this is my honest truth. I don't think this is my church. I think this is our church. Yeah. So that's why for me, it's like, like even with Steve, I, you know, it was his birthday recently, happy birthday. And I sent him a message. I just said, it's such a joy that we get to serve our church together. Mm. Like we get to do ministry alongside of each other. And that's how I see it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the lead pastor, but it's not my church. I just have the authority, you know, the highest level of authority within the church, but I see it as our church. And I think that's important as a lead pastor, you got to see like, your staff as this is our church we do this together this is not you're doing this for me you're doing this for god this is god's church and this is and we get to be a part of this together and that's kind of i think the thing that's helped me over the years i've never had to sort of like you know grow like as i got more emotionally healthy it was just a real natural natural thing for me but i think before that because i was so numbers driven it was like, I just want people to come and help grow this thing. And it wasn't working. I was like, oh, this is terrible. It's not working out, you know, kind of a thing. But I think once I got to that place where I said, I don't care about how big, like, of course I care, but like, I'm not going to allow the numbers to dictate how I'm going to think, is this church truly really a success or not? That's not, I'm not, I'm never going to do that again. And I'm just going to really get to that place where, yeah, this is our church. We serve together here. So anyway, Steve, you said there was a, a question you have for Sua. Do you want to ask that before we close? Or did she answer? No, I think I think she she got. I was just gonna ask, like, as we're an employee, so like, Sua, we're so like on the same wavelength. I was just gonna ask, like, what uh, <laughs> what are the benefits as an employee? Because I I think if you're if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, let's say you're, you're either a lead or you're thinking about, mm. um, you know, church planting, um, a lot of it is like, oh, this is how I have to do things so the church can like benefit. But I think so rarely do we hear from the people it affects um, on the other end. So like as an employee, like what are the benefits you've seen to like the good decision-making by, by pastor Peter and him being a good boss. And on the flip side, like when he makes bad hires, like how does it affect you? Like as Mm -hmm. an employee, as a fellow employee, how does it affect you? 
I mean, that's 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 a great question to yeah, ask of you. you yeah, that. when I make a bad hire, how does that affect yeah. you? Because like we know, like it, it doesn't it take does a lot of imagination, you. right? It doesn't take a lot of imagination for a lead pastor to be like, oh, this is how a bad hire affects me. But like, yeah. how does it affect my other? Like, I'm too busy giving employees. them the benefit of the doubt and being super annoying. So why don't you answer <laughs> that question? This would be a great I, way yeah. to close. Yeah, yeah I, I think for for me, I, it's I'm in a unique position now where like I get to gatekeep mm-hmm. like the the hires now. But when I couldn't, it uh like it just hurts so bad knowing mm-hmm. that we let like poison in. You know, mm, like, mm. like something that could like poison the well. Yeah. You know, cause it was like, when things are good, it's like, you just want to, you kind of alluded to it. It's like, I cared so much because I had been, I'd worked at jobs where I hated my job or like, mm-hmm. I loved the job, but hated the boss, yeah. you know, um, where I'd been in like toxic, like work environments where I hated going to work. And when I finally found a job where I, there was a, the work is like fine. I mean, I was like, the work itself is fine, but because the because like my boss was so great i was and like so the culture was so great i was like i i will i will do anything yeah. to make sure like this does not get compromised mm-hmm. and so when i saw somewhere like yeah maybe like uh potentially it could be great but i was seeing how like oh maybe this isn't gonna go in that direction it would just like kill me inside mm-hmm. that like oh mm-hmm. why did we and this is part of like me, like I have to grow, but part of me is like, why did we take that risk? Yeah. Like, why couldn't we have played it safer? And and that's not yeah. always the best way to do it either, you know, but like at the time for me, it was like, and I, I'm, I'm trying to grow in that, the risk taking part. But for me at the time, it's like, ah, like I just, let's just preserve this good thing as much as possible. Mm. Yeah. And all, all I was saying now, Sua, kind of like where we are at Metro, um, I can't. So like if I think about so Steve and I've agreed on this and so this is not Are nothing sure, new Steve? for you Steve. No yeah. no, no no we've agreed on this we've agreed so, on this. So so for me if I want to hire somebody at, at mm-hmm. on staff like if I like somebody I can't even offer them the position until they first meet with Steve. So mm-hmm. he's the he's that he's that filter and until Steve says yes I can't even go further and offer. So like say like like this guy named John I want to hire John all right? And uh, to be a discipleship pastor, right? John, whatever. Oh yeah, John Huang. John, John Huang. Yeah, John. I I'll just be like, hey, I really would like you to consider this, but before I can even like talk to you further about this, you got to meet with our executive pastor. He's the gatekeeper, and so you got to pass that interview before we can even talk about the job. Are you interested in even like doing that? And that's kind of how I've been doing it, and that's been really helpful for me to know that you've been that gatekeeper because I know you understand the culture, you understand how I want our staff culture to be, and you're protecting it. And like you're that gatekeeper, so I I love to do that. I I actually love giving you that responsibility, and I know you love doing that. So that's a real beautiful thing. So the only thing I will just say this is the last piece of leadership wisdom I'll give to a lead pastor. The mistake that I made for the first five years of the church was simply this. I hired people to grow my church. That was an epic mistake. Hmm. You should never hire a staff member thinking that they're going to help you grow your church. You should only hire a new staff member because they are being hired to maintain the growth of your church. The church needs to be growing for you to hire a new person. If the church isn't growing, 
in a certain way and it's still the same. Don't think that a staff, a new hire, I mean, it can, but most likely it doesn't. Don't think a new hire is going to all of a sudden explode the church and the church is going to grow. The best way to hire staff members when the church is actually growing in a healthy way, then you're hiring somebody to maintain that growth. All right. So that's just the last piece of wisdom I'll give that I've learned over the years. And I'd like to tell that to all of our young pastors, particularly church planters, because I've learned that church planters, they just love to hire quickly because they want to have a staff right from the right from the get go. And it's the worst thing you can do when you plan a church is to have a staff like like two or three people on paid staff where the budget is pretty much going all to staff to overhead rather than I think a church plant should be thinking about giving to like missions and things like that. But they can't if the offering is being spent on overhead. So that's the last thing I'll say. So anyway, Steve, this was awesome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank us. you guys. That opening question thank was amazing. You, this was great. So Steve, we love having you. And so guys, if you have any comments, any thoughts, any questions. Steve can... will not give his email. Remember? No, you know, I, you... Knew, I knew you were going to make some comment you can, about that. You can <laughs> comment and that on, on, you can do that on our, on our feeds, on our social media feeds when we post this episode up. But you can also email Sua or me at, uh, you just go to weekpastor.org and you'll find our information on there. And so we'd love to hear from you, okay? Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you'll join us again next week. Take care.